Welcome to another inspirational message from Church on the Rock Pile. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us at www.therockchurch.co.za. Hi. How many of you are glad that Jesus changes everything? Who's thankful that when you come to Him, you can come with confidence, you can come with faith, you can come believing that He is a rewarder of everyone who seeks Him? And I'm so glad you're part of our weekend service today, and it's a joy to have you with us. And I'm so excited. As we do what we do, God is involving Himself on a personal level in the lives of so many people who are choosing to participate, choosing to open their heart, choosing to worship choosing to lean in and listen to his word, having a heart of expectation that they're going to receive something helpful and something good for your life. And as we as a church believe that God is working right now, never underestimate how he's at work and he's doing something good. So let's go to Acts chapter 16. Let's get into today's message. Paul and Silas were missionaries, and they had a lot of people that were showing up at their meetings. People were getting baptized. Um, They were creating a stir in the community, and there was a major buzz going on in the city. But the government, or the power brokers-to-be, felt threatened by the growing popularity of the church and Christianity. So they arrested Paul and Silas, and now that's the backdrop of the scripture that I'm going to read, Acts 16.23. After they had been severely flogged, severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet to the stocks. So it's not the best day for these two. They've been beaten, thrown into prison, taken to a dark dungeon. Their ankles are fastened in stocks and it's all been undeserved. They didn't deserve this. Now it was uncomfortable. It was painful. There were no opoids in in those days to curb the pain. And so it says in verse 25, about midnight, say that with me, about midnight. One more time. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And that's an amazing thing to be doing after the kind of day that they've just had. Can you believe that? And so verse 26 says, Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now, firstly, it was courageous for Paul and Silas to put themselves out there like this. They knew that the city council uh, was not going to be happy. But what makes the story for me even more incredible is what happened in that dirty, dark dungeon around midnight. With open wounds and bruised and beaten lips, they started to sing and they started to worship God. And that's what we're looking at today. So if you're ready for the word, and I want to invite you to say this with me and say it out loud. Let's declare this together. My heart's open. My mind's ready. I won't be the same again. In Jesus' name, now shout out a great big amen. And so I want to talk to you today about worshiping God when you're in a dark place. I want to use the story of Paul and Silas as a backdrop for a message that is to encourage you and to remind you that it's not just when we worship on a weekend, when we're with a bunch of people, where everything's going well, but it's, but it's that we can learn how to worship even in 
a dark place. Come on, say worshiping in a dark place. I want to talk about what worship is. So are you ready? Worship is an attitude of the heart that has found the freedom of expression. Did you get that? Worship is an attitude of the heart that has found the freedom of expression. Think about that. Worship is not just an attitude of the heart, and worship is not just a hollow expression. Worship is an attitude expressed. You've got to get that. Worship is an attitude expressed. It is expressing thanks. It's expressing faith. It's expressing love and confidence in your God. Worship is an attitude of the heart that has found the freedom of expression. It's so important that you get this as we get into this topic of worship today because I feel that there are a lot of people that just think, oh, well, I, I honor God in my heart, you know. I worship God with my heart. But you have to know that worship is not worship until it's expressed. So a lot of people lead into something that they say is within them, an attitude, a mindset, a thought, a perspective. But what they don't realize is that worship isn't worship until it has found the freedom of expression. And there are three ways in the Bible that worship is expressed. Are you with me? Number one, worship is a verbal expression. Worship is a verbal expression. The audible sound of worship is words. Songs of thanksgiving, adoration, praise and gratitude to God. Worship is a verbal expression. Secondly, worship is a physical expression. Worship is a physical expression. The physiology of worship is when you move physically to express worship to God. So it's lifting our head. The Bible tells us, lift up your head. The Bible says, stand up, stand in your worship. It's when you raise your eyes to your God or, or you raise your hands towards God. You've got to know you were made to worship. All of us were made to worship. And as human beings, we are all going to find something that we worship, something that we lean into, not just with an attitude or a zeal or a heart, but actually an expression of our life, an expression of worship. The third way that the Bible teaches us that worship is expressed is a financial expression. Worship is a financial expression. The currency of worship in our world is the rand. Now, in the early Bible days, the currency was not the rand or cents. It was animals, it was fruit, it was vegetables, it was land. And so that was the currency of worship. The financial expression of worship is what the book of Proverbs calls Honor the Lord with your wealth. So we're honoring God with an expression of giving with what we have. And so we give what we have in our finances and we give that to our Lord. So it's a verbal expression, it's a physical expression, and it's a financial expression. Worship is easiest, and I think all of you would agree, when blessings are obvious. When blessings are obvious, it's easy to worship. Can you say amen? But worship is not just for good times. Worship is for all times. Did you hear me? It's for all times. Proverbs 34, 1 says this. I will bless the Lord at, at what? At all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. On the worst day of his life, the Bible tells us that Job fell to the ground and worshiped. And then he said this. The Lord gave 
and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord on one of the worst days of his life. One of the worst days of his life. He worshipped God. And then there's the story of an Old Testament prophet who made his living by farming. And he made a decision to worship God. He made a decision to worship God in seasons when there was no rain, which meant that there was no harvest. And if you're a farmer, then you've got to know you are someone who depends on a harvest. But you must hear what this man wrote. His name was Habakkuk. And here's how he described himself and his attitude during this season. It's found in Habakkuk 3. Though the fruit tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crops fail and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the sheepfold and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. So it wasn't just Paul and Silas at midnight in a prison. Now we see all over throughout Scripture that people who had an attitude of confidence and faith in God worshipped him, not just in the good times, but they worshipped him at all times. Yes, it's easier when our blessings are obvious, but worship is not just meant for times when things are going our way. It is also meant for the the, the hardest, toughest times that we will face, the, those critical seasons of our lives. We always worship at the beginning of our meetings because it has a boomerang effect. It goes out, it, it, it makes like a circle. I once tried to throw a boomerang. No matter what I did, I could not get it to come back. But anyway, it's a boomerang effect in that as it goes out, it makes a circle and it comes back. It gets a response from heaven. And for Paul and Silas, that response was immediate. We just read about it. The doors of the prison that, were, that, that they were placed in opened up. The stocks broke off their ankles and they walked out of prison within moments of beginning to sing and worship God. I don't think they were expecting that to happen. I think they were expecting God to be faithful. They're expecting God to be with them. I think they're expecting God to look after them. But I don't think that they looked at each other, you know, with, with big bruised, swollen faces and, and, and extended lips and said to each other, hey, if we start singing, these prison doors are going to open for us. No, I don't think that happened at all. I believe out of their heart, in the midnight hour, in the dark, they just started to sing. It came out from within them. While they were in pain, while they were hurting and uncomfortable, they just started doing what was within them. They started doing what they do. They were doing what people of faith do in the darkness. They worship in the darkness of the midnight hour. When your worship lifts up to God, God opens doors and does great things in your life. The more you offer thanksgiving to God, the more your heart fills with gratitude. When you put energy out, Life and energy come back to you. When you honor God with what you have, it's like a boomerang that goes out. You put it out there. You worship him with your resources. You worship him with your finances. And guess what? Heaven responds and God will give you more. It's a boomerang power effect. Now I know we all would love it to happen just like Paul and Silas. Immediately. Bang. But it doesn't always happen that way. But believe me when I tell you, when you worship God, it goes out and something comes back. 
in the form of blessing, in the form of an open door, in the form of provision. Worship goes out and blessing comes back. So let me tell you why it's so important that you worship God in the dark, in the midnight season of your life. The first thing is that worship turns our attention towards God. Worship turns our attention towards God. Your life is going to be pulled in the direction you focus on. Two weeks ago, I told you that your attention will get your affection. Worship takes our attention off of ourselves and puts our attention on God. Worship is the right way to start every day. It's the right way to start every conversation that you have with God. If this is not something you've been known to do, if this is something you haven't participated in in the past, please write this down. Are you ready? Worship is the best thing to do at the beginning of your day. It's the best thing to start with on every single conversation that you have with God. Just start with worship. There is an example in the, in, in the Old Testament of a king named Jehoshaphat who got word that there were three armies that were planning to attack him and his people. He knew that they were severely outnumbered and he couldn't win the battle unless God intervened for him. So he called a press conference and he went before the people and he gave him the news. I hate to tell you this, guys, but there are three armies that have come together around us. Our enemies have become united against us and they are headed our way. And then the Bible says that Jehoshaphat began to worship and magnify God. And he started to magnify the goodness of the Lord. In other words, he told them what was happening in the natural. And then as a godly leader, he started to declare praises to God. He started saying things like, and, and you can read about this in the Bible in 2 Chronicles 20, in verse 6 from then on. He started saying things like, all power and might are in your hands, O Lord. You've been our provider, O God. You, you, you have been the provider of our fathers and our forefathers. You provided for, for all those who have gone before us. You've given us victory, O God, over our enemies in the past. And Jeho Jehoshaphat just started putting that out there. He started putting all that praise into the atmosphere. And one of the greatest privileges of my life has been to grow old with Jan. That's my wife. To grow old with Jan at my side. Jan is someone who goes through her day with that sort of confession. She verbally expresses confidence in God. She is someone who is constantly worshipping God. God, you're good. God, you make a way where there's no way. God, you're all powerful. Jan worships Jesus' name in every aspect of her life. From before we got married, she has had worship in her heart. And her heart of worship has taught me to worship even in my darkest hours. And it's so easy to run to a podcast or, or to go and get the, the latest Christian book. But none of that will create a boomerang effect like worship. You need to worship. Start every day, every day, every day when you get up. And it doesn't have to take a lot of time. Just start by saying something like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for a good night's sleep. God, I want to thank you right now that I'm going to have a good day. I want to thank you that you're powerful. I want to thank you that you're great. And I thank you, God, that you are for me and you're not against me. I thank you, God, that, that you are going ahead of me in all that takes place today. That is the best way to start your day. We have so much to worship him for. He gives us grace 
which we don't deserve. He gives us mercy and spares us from things that we do deserve. And he is so generous with both. We can never run out of reasons to thank and worship our God. It was the same with Jehoshaphat. He came along and he gave the information and then he entered into worship and then he prayed. So if you're going to pray and if you're going to talk to God, start with worship. It should be the beginning of any conversation that we're going to have with heaven. And the, star, the psalmist said this in Psalm 34. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Magnify. Make God big. Let's make our God big, even in the middle of all that we may not be able to, to see our way through at the moment. Even when we're in a dark place, let's magnify our God in that midnight hour of our life. That's the one thing we can do, and that is to worship and turn your attention towards God. Number two, worship leaves no room for complaining and negativity. Did you hear that? Worship leaves no room for complaining and negativity. We're talking about why it's important to worship God in the dark seasons. Complaining and negativity is the spirit of this season. And here's a warning. Don't let people suck you into their small world. It's a spirit. Every one of you listening to me knows that what I'm about to say is true. And that is that sometimes when we pray, it turns into a complaining session to God. In fact, some people don't pray until they're in a really tough spot, until things are really, really bad. And then when they get to God, they come before him and it's all like sackcloth and ashes and, and, and they go to God with all their complaints. What's going on, God, with my life right now? You're supposed to be God. Do you know what you're doing? I don't know what you're doing. Why aren't you manifesting yourself in my life? Now, there's nothing wrong with pouring your heart out to God. I believe you can pour your heart out to God. There's nothing wrong with being in a position where you sometimes just cry out to him. But I'm wanting you to understand something, and that is that worship leaves no room for complaining and negativity. Praying can turn quickly into complaining, but worship, if you're worshiping, then what you're doing is speaking out your confidence and your faith and your optimism, and you are declaring that God is good, God is with you. God, I know what you're doing. I can't see the end of it right now. But I know that you know the beginning from the end. And I worship you that you are all powerful. The Bible says this in Philippians. And it is an awesome scripture that you probably read many times. But it's one that we should always keep close at hand, I believe. And it says this in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything. Did you say anything? Do not be anxious about coronavirus. Do not be anxious about the season of isolation you might be in. Do not be anxious uh, wherever you are. Or do not be anxious when you're starting to feel like the world is caving in on you. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, right there we have worship. Paul is saying that with worship, with saying it out loud, then what do we do? 
present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends, that means passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. With worship, make your request known. Yes, let God know. God, I need you today. This is what I'm asking for you to do in my life today, God. But keep worshipping. And worship, I believe, will protect you from that slippery slope where you can get into complaining and negativity. Now, the third reason why we need to worship in the midnight dark is that, number three, worship prepares the way for God to work in the darkness. Worship prepares the way for God to work in the darkness. So think about how dark it must have been for King Jehoshaphat and for the people to know that three armies were coming to attack them and you have no chance of fighting them off. They knew that without a God intervention, they would surely die. What would you have done in that moment? Where would you have turned? Would you have rushed off to find your children? What would you have done? Three armies are coming against us. They're coming to attack our city. Our king has told us that, that we have no chance of survival. We have no chance of fighting him off. Now, here's what I want you to see and what I want you to learn from Jehoshaphat's experience and his example. I want us to learn the sequence that he operated in, the order that he did things. The first thing he did when he finished announcing that the armies were coming, is that he started worshipping God for his faithfulness in the past. That's what he started with. Thank you, God, for all that you've done in our past, in our history. I want to thank you what you've done for our families prior to today. The second thing that he did was he led them in an all-out prayer, asking God to work on their behalf and deliver them from the situation that they found themselves in. The third thing that he did was he challenged the people to have faith and believe that their God was with them. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 17. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. And then he told them to go and get dressed for battle. Go get ready to fight. Just because you're praying and just because you are worshipping, it doesn't mean that you're going to just sit still and do nothing. No. He said, go get dressed for battle. So the next morning, they took their battle positions. They had trained hard. They were a well-equipped army. They knew what they were supposed to do. And they knew that it was time for war. And they headed out for battle. When they got into their position, Jehoshaphat put singers in front. And they started to sing and worship God. 2 Chronicles 20, 21. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever and ever. They just started to sing. Can you imagine these men in this completely hopeless situation? It wasn't so very different for Paul and Cyrus because they were also in that midnight hour of their circumstances. For this army, it was dark. It was, how are we going to actually be able to get through this 
and see the brightness of another morning. Jehoshaphat put the singers in front and they are singing while they are standing in position to fight. And as they sang, the Lord caused the enemy to become confused and they started fighting against each other. And they were defeated. They defeated themselves. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 20, 22, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Sire who were invading Judah and they were defeated. I have no clue how, but somehow they were meant to be going in one direction and they become confused and they thought the army that was their ally was actually their enemy and they began to fight each other. And the Bible tells us that as they sang, God gave them victory. As the army stood there fully dressed with the singers in front of them, ready to do battle, God came and intervened on their behalf. They didn't have to fight physically, but they were fighting spiritually. They were honoring God. They were worshiping God. They were lifting up their voices in praise and confidence and faith through a song. The enemy was defeated that day and God's people came out of the battle with the plunder of the enemy. In other words, they went down to the battlefield after the battle and they took the resources that the enemy had left behind. Verse 25 says this, So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. They brought back gold, they brought back silver, and they brought back valuable resources from the enemy to impact their own lives. This is why you don't want to limit your worship to the good seasons of your life. This is why you want to worship at midnight. This is why you want to worship in the dark. This is why you want to worship when the enemy comes against you. This is why... We need to make up our minds right now that we're going to worship today. We're going to worship tonight. We're going to worship tomorrow, Monday. We're going to worship. We're going to worship in the morning. We're going to worship in the afternoon. We're going to worship in the week that lies ahead. We're going to worship throughout the week. And although we walk in the dark, while we walk in the dark, we're going to worship in the dark. We're going to worship in the midnight hour. Did you hear me? We're going to be a people that worship in the midnight hour. I'm telling you right now, everybody who feels lonely, I want to encourage you and urge you to worship. If you're confused about what's going on in your life, worship. When you feel worried, worship. When you feel disappointed, worship. If you're discouraged today and, and you feel as if nothing is going to work out and everything is going to just keep going wrong in your life. When, when there are shadows that are falling across your path, know this, there is power in worship. Worship prepares the weight for God to work in the darkness. Can I hear a big amen? You've got to know, light is breaking through the darkness. To those of you that are struggling, you need to know, light is coming. Light is coming. A new day will rise. A new season will come your way. Let's just pray together. We're not done yet. So just stay focused just for a couple of seconds. Something awesome is going to happen in the next few minutes. Stay with us to the end of the service, not just to the end of me preaching. 
Stay till the end because God is working right now. Are you ready? Let's pray together. Father, I proclaim your goodness right now over our lives. I proclaim, God, that you are with us. And I boldly declare, God, that you are for us. That you are the one that provides all of our needs. You give bread at midnight. You give manna in the wilderness. You make streams in the desert. You make a way where there seems to be absolutely no way. And God, right now, I believe that hearts are turning towards you. I thank you that lives are being changed, that people are, are surrendering themselves. God, that today is the day of salvation. God, that today is the day of fresh new beginnings. And we trust you, God. Our confidence is in you. We have great hope, God, because of Jesus Christ and what he has done. And so if you're not right with Jesus, and if you know in your heart that you're not right with God, and you know that you're not in a relationship with the living God, I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And if that's you, just pray this simple prayer with me. Just say after me, all together now, pray it boldly, pray it from your heart. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. Today, I make you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, congratulations. It's a simple prayer, but if you prayed it, we believe your spirit has just come alive. And we rejoice and we thank God for new beginnings that you have. And so that's something to worship God about. Remember to keep God first place in your life. He's got a wonderful adventure ahead for you. And so until we meet again, share hope, show kindness, and shine Jesus.